you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Welcome to Season 7 of Biblical Counseling Today. I'm so glad that you're able to join me as we think together about solving our individual marriage and parenting issues biblically. Last season, we did a deep dive into the problem of suffering, ending with the development of a biblical response to whatever sort of suffering enters our lives. This challenging subject has lots of application for our mental, emotional, spiritual, and relational problems. And in this new season of 12 podcasts, I will address the subject of spiritual warfare in the life of the Christian. Another way to put this is the battle for the mind in our daily Christian walk. Satan is our great enemy who is actively at war with us as Christians every day whether we acknowledge it, think about it, or not. Now, some of us think of Satan as more powerful than he is, but I believe many of us have little comprehension of his strength and ability to work against us. Now, among the various ways the devil operates, I think his central method is that he imitates God and his ways. After all, he is known as the great deceiver, He appears as an angel of light when he is really the prince of darkness. A good imitation is really hard to spot. Those who can imitate voices can easily pass themselves off as that particular person. Imitation products, clothes, and other retail items can look so much like the original articles. Then, of course, it's very hard to spot counterfeit money unless you're a professional. Satan is simply the best imitator on the planet. He is the father of lies so that all that he is and all that he does is lie. As Christians, we must grow in our ability to recognize the counterfeit and not fall for the imitation. So this podcast will help us in that important effort. As with my other seasons, my focus is on offering you biblical counseling, as well as to begin to train and equip you to counsel others biblically. As a Christian, you are called to counsel others, whether or not you do it as a full-time job or a regular ministry. So we all need ongoing training and regular encouragement in this effort called biblical counseling. Now, the way I've chosen to cover this big issue of spiritual warfare in the life of the Christian is by contrasting demonic confusion versus biblical logic. That's the official title of Season 7 of Biblical Counseling Today, Demonic Confusion versus Biblical Logic. So in each episode, we'll cover one of the imitations of God's truth and how Satan attempts to win the battle of our minds with it. We'll also work to learn to think biblically, to apply biblical logic in order to dispel the confusion Satan wants to create. In this first episode, then, I've chosen the broadest, overarching imitation that Satan loves to confuse us with, condemnation. We'll contrast that with the authentic work of the Spirit, which is called conviction. 
Max has been a Christian for almost 10 years. Before coming to Christ, he had a pretty wild young adult life, including drugs, heavy drinking, and lots of sexual interactions. Just recently, he has been having pretty serious nightmares, many of which are scenes from his past. These have caused Max to feel very guilty about the things he did over 10 years ago, and he can't seem to shake the thought of them. Max believes the Holy Spirit is now bringing these things to his mind, but he's confused to why now, and what's he supposed to do about it? Should he go back to these girls he was intimate with and apologize? Should he tell people in his church that he used to use illegal drugs? What does God want him to do with his past? Or is it possible that these nightmares and constant naggings are actually condemnations that come straight from Satan, not convictions from the Spirit? Why would Satan want to bring these up to Max right now? How should he respond to Satan if it is truly demonic confusion? Do you see the challenge? Condemnation and conviction look very similar and both provoke responses of guilt and even shame. Yet how we respond to these two things are very different. So how can we tell the difference with confidence? Well, let's start by helping Max and ourselves with some foundational definitions. First, what is condemnation? Well, like most words, we have to choose from several definitions. Condemnation is the act of pronouncing someone guilty and then sentence them to punishment. In other words, the criminal was condemned to life in prison. Or condemnation is the expression of strong disapproval. Or condemnation is the pronouncement that something is unfit for use or service, like the condemning of a building. Or finally, condemnation is the forcing into a specific state or activity, such as the man was condemned to a life of poverty. Okay, so which definition of condemnation deals with how Satan tries to confuse Christians about their sins? Well, all of them certainly have potential. First, Satan tells you that your sin will send you to hell, that you are condemned to eternal punishment. Second, Satan tells you that God disapproves of you because of your sin. Third, Satan tells you that you are unfit for God's service because of your sin. And finally, Satan says that you are going to be forced into a life of misery and destruction because of your sin. Now we'll deal with these one by one, look to Scripture, apply them to Max's situation, and even look at what is partially true about each one. So first, Satan tells you that you are condemned to hell for your sin. Now, Satan is right, if you're not a Christian. Our sins certainly do condemn us to eternal punishment. Our sin has separated us from God. Without repentance of our sins and forgiveness of our sins, condemnation to hell is what we deserve and what we will get. But Satan is talking to Max, a Christian, and to you, a Christian. He is wanting to convince you that you are in the same boat as any non-Christian. He wants you to believe that you can lose your salvation by sinning, or that there is no such thing as salvation in the first place. 
Listen to the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, verses 33 to 34. Paul writes, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So if Max is doubting his salvation, this is exactly what Satan wants to accomplish. Satan is bringing a charge against Max, one of the elect. He is telling Max that his past sins have made it impossible for him to be truly saved. But according to Paul, Satan has no power to condemn because he cannot justify. God is the one who justifies, which means that God alone condemns someone to eternal punishment. Paul goes on to remind us that Christ died for his elect people so that they won't have to face condemnation. Then there's the words of Jesus himself in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Again, non-Christians are condemned to hell for the ultimate sin of not believing Jesus is the Son of God. So if you're counseling Max, you would ask him, Max, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God and your Savior and your Lord? Have you put your faith in him for your salvation? If he says yes, then he is not condemned, if it is a true confession. So he must reject the lie that his sins have condemned him to hell. Listen to the words of Jesus right after the most familiar John 3.16. This is verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now let's move on to our second definition. Satan tells us that God disapproves of us because of our sins. So maybe Max understands his salvation rests in the finished work of Christ alone, and he cannot lose it because of his past or present or future sins. But he does feel that he is condemned in the sense of God disapproving of him. He is still ashamed of what he has done in the past. Now, is that true? Does God disapprove of his children when they sin? Well, we can certainly say that God is displeased with our sin. He hates our sin for sure. But does our sin make us less approved by God? Not at all. How do we know that? Because it wasn't our righteousness that gained his approval in the first place. When you think your goodness gains God's love and affection, then you will naturally think that your sin will mean God rejects you or even dislikes you. Max is struggling with the fact that God approves of him, even with his boatload of past sins. He does not trust God's love for him. What Satan is doing is confusing Max's mind, and he is also using his deceitful heart against him. The Apostle John has something to say about that in 1 John 3, verses 19 through 21. 
By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. When Satan condemns us for our sin, it is just what our sinful heart wants to hear. Our heart wants to judge ourselves and others for not being perfect. We enjoy being hard on ourselves, expecting that we should not sin or do foolish things. Satan speaks to us and tells us that God doesn't approve of us because we are not good enough. Well, the true biblical logic is this. God approves of us because he approves of his son and his perfect righteousness. It is only the fact that we are in Christ that we are approved, even in our sinfulness. Now let's talk about the third definition. This one is that Satan tells you that you are unfit to serve him because of your sins. Again, this is another form of condemnation. Satan says, sure, your sins are forgiven, but they disqualify you for the higher positions in God's kingdom. You can never be a pastor or a missionary or a church leader. You will never do that much for God because of your past sin. Max could certainly be believing this lie as he is haunted by his sins. He could think that he has damaged goods that can never be repaired. Now, let's look at the bit of truth here. Can past sins keep us from serving God well? Yes and no. Yes, they can become a scandal in present ministry if they come out inappropriately. And certainly Satan could tempt Max to resume some of his former practices, disabling him from being used by God. But God is also a redeeming God who uses all sorts of sinners for his kingdom work. Think of Paul's past. If that would have been a handicap for him, he would have never been used by God in the ways he was. God is merciful and uses weak vessels for his good pleasure. Well, Paul actually has something to say to young Pastor Timothy about this as he gives him guidelines for choosing elders in the church. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 3.6, He must not be a recent convert, or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Now, Paul was speaking of pride and conceit as sins that would make an elder condemned or tormented by the devil. But it is also true that we must recognize that Satan will use our past sins against us to distract us from serving God. So Max needs to know that it is Satan working to condemn him like a condemned building, rendering him unfit for God's service. He must reject this condemnation, knowing it does not come from the Holy Spirit. As a believer, he must rely on the strength of Christ to do the good works God has prepared for him to do. And then fourth, Satan tells you that you are condemned to a life of misery because of your sins. Max is certainly miserable right now, isn't he? The nightmares are bad enough, but the constant remembering of past sins is just overwhelming. How can he move on like this? His past acts as an anchor to his future just slowing him down. 
feeling miserable, depressed, anxious, are all signs pointing to Satan's condemnation rather than the Spirit trying to convict him. Christians can often feel like they are supposed to be miserable over their sins. To still be joyful and peaceful would mean that they aren't truly repentant. Should Max and us be sorry for our sins to hate our sins? Certainly. But our sins don't condemn us to a life filled with misery. We don't need to walk around hanging our heads, feeling constantly guilty. God calls us to enjoy our forgiveness and look forward to the blessings that he continues to pour into our lives. Max must reject the idea that these memories have come up to him to be regularly haunted by until he does something to make amends. We will talk more about what conviction of sin looks like in a moment. But first, he needs to hold on to Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. No condemnation. No eternal punishment waiting. No constant misery. No disapproval by a loving Heavenly Father. No lack of usefulness in His kingdom. Max and all of us as Christians who are sinners have been set free in Christ Jesus. So when, like Max, we are confused, living under Satan's condemnation, it's essential to believe God for our redemption and freedom in Christ. But we must not ignore the truth and reality of conviction of sins by the Holy Spirit. We need the work of conviction. So what is conviction? Let's begin again with a few definitions and characteristics. Conviction is a strong belief. Conviction is the state of being convinced. Conviction is the state of being convinced of one's errors. Conviction of sin leads to confession and repentance. Now let's go into some detail on each aspect of conviction. First, the Spirit gives the Christian a strong belief system. Listen to the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 4 to 5. For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. One defining characteristic of the gospel is that it comes with conviction, with a strong belief system. This is one reason Christians are called believers. Our love for Jesus is connected to our system of theology, beliefs that we know to be true. So the Spirit works to make us people of conviction and people with convictions. We are not supposed to be wishy-washy or confused, being swayed by every new wind of doctrine. Max has strong convictions about the way he should be living and what he should believe as a Christian. This is a good thing. As Christians, we need to be firm in our faith in Jesus Christ. This sort of conviction keeps us from being confused 
by Satan's condemnation. Secondly, the Spirit enables the Christian to become convinced of truth. Another aspect of conviction is confidence that what we believe is actually true. The writer to the Hebrews uses the word conviction in this way, in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Only when we are convinced of the truth can we fight back against the devil's lies. So let's think about what truth Max needs to believe. First, he needs to be convinced that God has forgiven his sins, even the ones in his dark past that he is still ashamed of. His forgiveness is complete. God has not revoked it after 10 years. There's no expiration date on his forgiveness. Then he needs to be convinced of the truth about Satan. Satan wants to devour him. Satan wants to deceive him. Satan wants to confuse him. Satan wants to limit his effectiveness as a Christian. This is the truth. Third, he needs to be more convinced of the truth about himself. He is a sinner in need of God's grace. As a Christian, God will continue to sanctify him to grow him in that grace. Max also needs to be humbled by the fact that he is not perfect and he will never be perfect. The Spirit is always working to give us strong convictions of the truth in order to defend our minds against the confusion of the devil's lies. In order to be more convinced of the truth, we must continue in God's Word and learn to think more and more biblically. How can we be convinced of the truth if we don't know it in the first place? And then third, the Spirit convicts the Christian of his or her sin. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 16, verses 7 through 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Jesus is telling us that one of the best ways the Holy Spirit helps us is to convict us of our sin. Just because we are not condemned for our sin doesn't ever mean we must ignore our sin. This is exactly what is confusing Max at this point. How can he be sure that this is the devil's attempt to condemn him rather than the Spirit's work of conviction? So let's walk it through again. All these sins that Max committed within his own body and in relationship to others happened over 10 years ago. When he became a Christian, he asked for forgiveness and has been forgiven of these sins. He is not participating in these particular sins anymore. They have simply entered his dream life and his daily thought process. Let's propose that this is the Holy Spirit, bringing him under conviction for his sins. What is the Spirit trying to accomplish then? He's not trying to save Max since he's already a Christian. He's not trying to open Max's eyes to hate these sins since Max already hates them. And Max has already been forgiven, so he doesn't need to be re-forgiven. Sound biblical logic says that this is not the work of the Spirit. The final piece of the puzzle is that conviction of sin should bring the Christian peace and rest. No more guilt. No more shame. Is Max at rest and at peace? I don't think so. 
Satan's condemnation, on the other hand, brings fear and anxiety. Fear that people will find out about Max's checkered past. Fear that people from the past will try to destroy his present reputation. Fear that he cannot be used in the service of God. Anxiety that he is supposed to be perfect when he can never be. Do you see how this points much more to condemnation rather than conviction? With Satan's condemnation, nothing is ever over. No sin is ever fully under the blood of Christ. He wants to continually torment us with our sins. The Spirit's conviction of sin opens our eyes so that we can again enjoy the peace and forgiveness of God. We can delight afresh in the grace of the living God. This leads us to the last characteristic of conviction. The Spirit moves the Christian forward to confession and repentance. Remember, Max is also confused about what he's supposed to do about these past sins of his. Is he supposed to contact people and apologize to them? Should he be telling more people about his past drug use and overdrinking? Scripture certainly connects the conviction of sin to the actions of confession and repentance. Confession of sin is simply agreeing with God that you have sinned against him, as well as other people. Confession to others is necessary in order to have reconciliation and restoration of relationship. Repentance is the act of turning from those sins and turning back to God in new obedience. So again, we apply biblical logic to how the Spirit works in conviction of sin. He doesn't convict the Christian of sin in order to scare him or point him to hell. Instead, internal conviction should produce the righteous fruits of confession and repentance. Let's go back to Max then. Has he confessed his sin to God? Yes. Has he repented and turned to God in new obedience? Yes. So the Spirit has done his work in the past. But what about confession of sins to those he wronged over 10 years ago? Or confessing sins to people today? This is a bit more challenging to navigate. The first question is, does Max want to reconcile with people he wronged in his past? It doesn't sound like it. It seems like he just feels guilt and shame that somehow confessing might help to do away with. As Christians, we have to be really careful of confession that is just meant to be cathartic for us. We can end up unloading our burden on the backs of another. Max has absolutely no idea the state of the souls of these people he did drugs with or had sexual relations with. Should he really dredge up the past with them just to assuage some of his present feelings of condemnation? Now, it's a different matter if he happened to run into one of these people or even start to have a relationship of some kind again. Then a conversation about the past and a confession of sin may be appropriate. That would also give him the opportunity to share what God has done in his life. As for confessing to people in his life today about his past, it depends on the purpose again. Telling his wife may be a good idea, but I would hope she would already know much of his past. Why do other people in his present experience need to know his past? Just in case they find out on social media one day? This seems to be a fearful response that is wanting to simply do whatever it takes to make everything go away again. 
We all want a clean slate, but we don't get it by telling everyone we know about all that we have done. We get it by the blood of Christ covering our sins. And again, Max needs to be very careful not to place unnecessary burdens on other people. The key here is true conviction by the Spirit enables us to love people better while living under the burden of condemnation by Satan will make us act in self-centered fear. So do you see how easy we can mistake condemnation from the devil for conviction from the Spirit? They look so similar, but their purpose and outcomes are so different. Satan's design for you is for you to have unending feelings of guilt and shame for all of your sin, for you to regularly question your faith, having little or no assurance, for you to regularly question God's love for you, for you to feel like you aren't really forgiven or to confuse you with the belief that you have to forgive yourself, for you to lose hope that God will use you, you will ever prosper or that you will have a future at all for you to be depressed and anxious over your sin. But the Spirit's design for you is so much better and so much different. The Spirit's design is for you to truly know that you are a sinner needing God's grace, for you to confess your sin, agreeing with God about it, for you to turn from your sin, seeking new obedience in the strength of the Spirit, for you to grow in grace for you to rest in the love of God and the forgiveness of Christ, for you to reconcile and restore relationships when possible and be at peace with others, for you to have great future hope for all that God will do in your life. In the end, all of us Christians, just like Max, have two primary tasks. First, we are to use the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the evil one. And second, we are to make sure that we never quench the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So while there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, we should always be truly heartbroken and convicted over our sin. This is the biblical logic that stands against all demonic confusion. We will take up another contrast in our spiritual warfare next time. God bless. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.